I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times when, if I sense that I'm going into battle, maybe to use that word, if I sense that something I'm about to try to do is going to be really hard, I don't do what we should do, and that is I don't pray. I don't connect with God a lot of times to say, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I I jump in. That's either my nature, my personality, or, or my sinfulness. I don't know. And so before we jump into this battle today in a sense of us, you and I praying for others in our lives, I want to remind us all of something. And this hit me this week as I I read three or four different passages about what Jesus is doing right now for each and every one of us. Right now in heaven. Did you know that he is advocating for you right now in heaven? He is pleading for you right now in heaven? He is speaking to the Father on your behalf right now in heaven. Hebrews 7.25, listen to this. Therefore, he is able, speaking of Jesus, once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Intercede might be another word, intervene. Maybe you could even think of it as a defense lawyer. God. Father, I, I paid the price for their sin. They're covered. And the Father says, yes, they are. I, I see your perfection in them, not their brokenness. Right now, that's happening. That didn't just happen 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, when he rose again, when he ascended into heaven. It did then too, but it says he ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of God, and he is advocating for you and me right now. That brings me great joy. It almost brings me this emotional thing over me like, okay, so my Lord and Savior, this person who claims to have been deity, who walked this planet, supposed to have lived a sinful life according to the Bible, died and rose again, that person sitting at the right hand of God is thinking of me and you right now. Romans 8.34 gives it a little different vibe. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. 1 John 2.1, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. So I think before we move into some sort of battle for someone else in our prayer life, before we start to think of others, I think it's good to step back and realize that Jesus is thinking of you right now. In every moment of every day. Because it says forever. So the relationship with him, which really in another way of saying it, that's what prayer is. It's not like an add-on to the spiritual journey, like, okay, look, once you get a spiritual journey or whatever, a relationship with Jesus, then you add prayer. Prayer is the relationship. 
So if you find yourself right now down, out, spiritually in darkness, feeling spiritually dead, I would say, go spend some time with your Lord and Savior. And notice I didn't necessarily say pray. Go, go interact with him. Go communicate with him. Maybe pick up his word, read his word, but then sit silently and let that word flow over you. Maybe you say a few things too. What's on your heart and mind like Bruce finally got to when he got honest? So many times in the Bible, it's interesting. There are certainly times in the Bible where people prayed and it says, so-and-so prayed. But at other times in the Bible, they're just talking to God. And it doesn't lead into that, like as in saying, hey, they moved into this time of prayer. They simply were talking to and listening to God. Abraham, Moses, David. I mean, a lot of the Psalms are David's personal journal that we get to read how he interacted with God because he wrote them down. And we have this luxury today to see that, if if anything else, they're real. They're honest. Nehemiah, Jesus, Stephen, Paul, Peter, John, Daniel, Isaiah, Esther. So many people. Ruth. These people talk to God as if he was right next to them, physically. And they also prayed for other people. They went into battle so many times, put their own life on the line to pray for others. So I encourage you, if you haven't opened up the Bible, go and you could just Google this. What people in the Bible prayed for others? You don't have to get all big words like, you know, advocate or intercessory prayer. It's amazing. The, the personal relationship that these people fostered with their Savior, with their God. And we, we've labeled it this word prayer. Here's the, here's the challenge that it comes to us. We are to take the example of Jesus who is interceding, is advocating, pleading right now for you and I. We are taking the example of all those folks in the Bible, and we are to do the same thing for others. If you're like me, a lot of times my prayers can be very selfish, and it's not like I start out going, Lord, I'm going to be selfish today, and I'm going to pray for me, 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 or my family only. But a lot of times, because I don't plan to pray, that's the direction my prayers go. And I like to think of it, a lot of times my prayers end up like this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you, would you, would you, would you? And that's the gist of my prayer life. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When I think of the checking the, the prayer log on Yahweh's prayer thing, whatever that was up there with Bruce, how many times, just being fervent in prayer, earnest in prayer, she was praying for him. Colossians says, Epaphras, I don't know if I pronounced that right, probably didn't, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. This is coming out of Colossians. He always pray, prays earnestly, that's in one version, laboring fervently 
is from the King James, and wrestling in prayer is from the NIV. So however you want to think of that, wrestling, you're trying to get the upper hand, but you're constantly potentially going to get put on the mat, right? So this person is wrestling in prayer for his friends. Constantly, it says, laboring to do that. Asking God to make you strong, it says, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. And then just the beginning of 1 Timothy 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. (laughs) Paul writing to Timothy, you know what? Hey, Philip, I want you tomorrow to pray for all people on the planet. Okay. Then he goes on to give some very specific things. Pray for the king. Pray for the people that you may even disagree with. Pray pray for the people in power. Pray Pray for your, oh my gosh, your boss. And of course, because Jesus always seems to take it to another level. Right? Right. He says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor. This is coming out of Matthew. And hate your enemy. That's what it says. But then he says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. How many of you, you don't have to show your hands, within the last week prayed for somebody who you might consider opposing you or an enemy? Again, you don't have to raise your hands. If I was raising my hands, I wouldn't. Now, I don't know if I have a lot of enemies, but the point is, There are people that I do disagree with. Did I pray for them? Did I pray that I could be the one that's wrong? How about you? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been told or did you know that someone, other than Jesus right now and at all times, that some other human being was praying for you? Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever been told that experience? About that experience, I was uh, home uh, the summer before my junior year in college, and I went to the Air Force Academy for one reason, and one reason only, and it sure as heck wasn't to get a haircut, and it sure as heck wasn't to wear a uniform, but it was to fly airplanes. Little did I know that you had to go through basic training and four years of hell to get there. But somewhere in my freshman year and my sophomore year, my eyesight started to decline, and it was going rapidly down. I came home the summer after my sophomore year, so before your junior year. And your junior year is when you get your physical to go to pilot training, even though it's two years away. And my vision, the last time I had it tested, was 2080. And the cutoff is 2070. And you had to be 2070, but you also then had to be correctable to 2020. So I told my mom, sitting on a bed, the day before I think I left to go back to the academy, I said, hey, I think I need to look into different career fields. You know, I'm going I'm to hopefully graduate, but i gotta, I got to find another job in the Air Force because the flying thing is not going to work out. So my mom said, okay, do you know that she and some other women in a Bible study every week, every week, women from multiple churches in the little town of Lexington and in from Concordia driving into Lexington, which is not a real short drive, they prayed for my eyesight. I didn't know all that at the time. Do you know that my junior year, right before my physical, I had a, a professor, we called him instructors because the military has to call him something else, you know what I'm saying? He approached me and said, hey, Sean, I see you wear glasses. 
I'd like to have you in my, my PhD, my doctorate study. Uh, would you be willing to do that? Yes, sir. Yeah, what is it? Well, I'm working with vision and stuff. Okay. I end up being in the control group. Didn't know it because he couldn't say anything until the, at the end. But the bottom line is, and I can't explain all this because it blows my mind. But at the end of the week, only spending an hour with him every day, I was reading 2050. Now, you can call it a coincidence, or you could say it's the power of prayer. And I tested, I tested actually at 2070, whoo, and I got to do, obviously, a dream of mine. Three years ago, my wife goes in to the doctor and discovers a cantaloupe-sized mass, they do, in her uterus. And not everybody gets the, the, the information that we got once it was finally removed. But I remember so many people, so many friends and family reaching out to her and to me for her. I'm praying for her. We're praying for her. We're praying for her. It was overwhelming. Our friends, Roy and Candy, because Roy knows this. Roy is a pastor, right? He's our speaking pastor around here, our primary one. He's the founder of this church, he and his wife, Candy. Roy and Candy came down to the hospital early. And because Roy knows that they will let a pastor be on certain doors, even when they won't let other people, he came in and he prayed with Julie. And I was in the room, of course. And Julie said she felt such a sense of peace going into that surgery that she's like, all right, God, I'm in your hands. So that overwhelming feeling that she had, that I had with her, it, it, I don't know how to express that. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. It's powerful. Regardless of whatever the circumstances were going to be, we knew that God was ultimately in control and people were praying for both her, you know, not to be cancerous, but if it was, to, to go down that path. How about you? Have you ever had that feeling where you know someone's praying for you? Have you ever prayed for someone like that? Earnestly, with great intention. I have a friend, Eric. He's, he's, he used to be on staff here, Eric Haynes. In, in our relationship over the last 20 years, he has reached out to me. I can't tell you the number of times I said, how can I be praying for you? The number of times I've reached out to him, not even a tenth, tenth of what he's asked me. But we had a discussion one time about prayer. And You know, when someone comes up and tells you something that's kind of like, wow, that's a big deal in your life. And I typically would say, hey, I'll be praying for you. I wonder, I'm sure many of you have done that, how many of us actually do the prayer? And how many of us include that prayer in our lives maybe more than just that one time? Are we earnest about it? Are we wrestling with God, pleading for that person? Do you do that? Do you do that regularly? We have a team here. We have a prayer team here at Shoal Creek. I actually think it should be 100 people, but right now there are 10 people on that team. 10 people. Betsy, Dan, Diana, Jim, Lou, Roy, Sean, Sandy, Sherry, and Vicki. And I can tell you this, that over the last few weeks and months, as Justin has sent out that Thrive interactive text and said, hey, if we could be praying for you, you know, right back to that text line, pray for, and then your, your, your prayer. And you don't even have to wait for Justin to ask that. You can do that at any time to that text line. And those people will pray for you. And in the case, like the last time when we got like 30 or 40, it was like, whoa, that's awesome. It's awesome that we, people are willing to share. 
But i got to be honest, I read every one of them before I you know, divided them up and sent them out to the prayer team and said, would you pray, please pray for these five people, these four people, these six people, whatever. There were marriages hanging in the balance. There were family members and friends dying, some of COVID, some not. There were relationships about to fall apart. There were addictions confessed and, and asked for help for, to be delivered. I mean, honestly, as I read through them all, I was overwhelmed. It's like, okay. And it was actually a good thing because it's like, God, we can't solve all that, but you can. We're just going to be fervent in prayer. So I don't know where you are with this praying for others. If you have the ability and you do that often, I would say, then let's join this prayer team. Let's get more and more people praying for those folks. You and you and you online who send those prayers in. And those praises, let's have more and more people praying. But if you're more like me and you struggle in this area, to, to regularly, consistently, with, with, like as if you were wrestling with God to pray for others, I have some help that might help us all. Here's the first thing that hits me when I think about praying for others. That if I'm not in relationship with Jesus, if I'm not regularly interacting and communicating with Him, then my prayers will not have the effect that they would if I was. Because that relationship is vital. And the way, I'm not going to go through the whole verse here, but it's from John 15, and it simply talks about the vine and the branches. And Jesus says, look, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. And when you connect to me, you stay connected to me, the life from the vine flows into and through the branches and produces fruit. But if you don't connect to me, you, as that branch, die, you wither, and those branches are taken and burned in the fire. I'm like, whoa, yeah. So if I'm going to produce fruit, if I'm going to help others praying for them or praying that they come to know who Jesus is, or praying for them to explore who Jesus wants to be in their life, then I need some connection to God for that prayer to have a greater effect. So if, if that's where you are, if your, your prayer life, your relational life, your connection life to Jesus is not something that you would like it to be, if it's not consistent and regular, then I would encourage you to focus there. I, I've noticed this too. This is a spiritual battle. This is not just flesh and blood kind of stuff here. When you begin to connect with Jesus in that way and you begin to pray for other people, you are opposed. You are opposed. And let me, let me express it this way. If Jesus is our advocate... If he is interceding for us, there is someone else that is opposing that. The Bible happens to call him Satan or the devil or however you want to word it. He's the accuser. And this is happening right now. So this is a spiritual battle. And I guarantee it will fatigue you when you begin to pray and connect with Jesus and when you begin to pray for others. And to get that perseverance, to receive the power that you need, you have to stay connected to the vine. 
or it will deplete you. It will zap you. I don't know if I'd say it would kill you, but you will go down into a dark, dark darkness because you and I are needy. We need the power of Jesus flowing through us because we don't have the individual power ourselves. I, I read this this week from uh, John Piper. Is that right? Yeah, sorry, it's been, been too long. Um, Desiring God is the book that he wrote, and, and I, I read it a chapter at a time, but he, he wrote a book or a chapter about prayer, and he kind of he equated prayer or this connection, this relational connection to God as a walkie-talkie that in battle, you could immediately call the commander and say, what do I do? Where do I go? Here's where I'm at. This is what's going on. And the commander would speak to you and give you guidance. And he kind of talked about how that walkie-talkie is kind of like our prayer life, our connection to God. And it says it this way, we see repeatedly in the Bible that prayer is a walkie-talkie for warfare, for battle, and not a domestic intercom for increasing our conveniences. And I read that, and I was like, oh, because a lot of times my prayer life is about my conveniences. God, I had COVID three weeks ago. God, please take COVID away from me. Please let me be healthy. Please let my wife not get it. God, please keep other people healthy. Please let people recover from this. You see... it's more about my convenience, and it's like, God, there are so many people that don't know you. How could I be praying for them by name? Do I know their name? What if they're my neighbor? Do I know my neighbor's names? Am I praying for them? I know this. The accuser does not like it when we intercede for other people. God says, look, if you're going to do the work of mine, and by default you are because you're his followers, you just may not want to, like me, sometimes you're lazy, sometimes you're selfish, whatever the word is. He says, then if you're going to do it, put on the full armor that I offer you. So I encourage you to read Ephesians, or a portion of Ephesians uh, 6, maybe it's 5, I don't have it written down here, where it talks about the full armor of God. Because if you do not do that, it will fatigue you to the point that you will stop doing that. Let's talk about another one here. I, I, I love old books. I have, okay, let's just let's do this right now. I have an addiction to old books, people. And if they're Christian-based, and they're written in the 1800s, I'm probably going to buy it, and Julie's going to be like, geez, Louise, how many more bookcases can you put in that room? So I bought this book called Abridged Treasury of Prayers, and here's what I want to talk a little bit about, though, because I was really excited about the book until I opened it, and here's why. It lists, I'm just going to read you the table of contents for a second, preparatory prayers. For true devotion, for true worthiness in prayer, a prayer based on God's command and promise, assurance of being heard for Christ's sake, God heareth us, prayers for every day in the week, morning prayer for Sunday, before going to church, evening prayer for Sunday, another evening prayer for Sunday, because that other one wasn't, morning prayer for Monday, and you get the idea, all the way through the week, Uh, prayer for your birthday, a prayer for young people, a prayer for servants, a prayer of a husband, prayer of a wife, pray for the aged, I guess I'm out now, A, a prayer for the proper performance of one's duties, okay, Here's the point that I, I, I immediately went, now again, I'm not bashing anybody that wrote that. But what happens is we often think we have to say some sort of programmed prayer. And the one that's butchered the most 
by us is the Lord's Prayer. We think that Jesus said, pray this. He didn't say that. He said, pray like this. It took interaction with my buddy Justin, who did the welcome up here, where he unpacked the Lord's Prayer for me. And, and we put that in this rhythmation guide for the first day of the week to like, maybe we could take that prayer and let that lead us into the week and unpacked every line. And I realized that somewhere along the lines of my upbringing in a Methodist church, I sat in on some Catholic masses at times. I, I sat in on some non-denominational church services. I learned the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, don't do it with me, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, you get the idea? And here's what I discovered when we did this rhythmation guide. Normally when we speak up here, a lot of the speakers, we use the NLT, maybe the NIV. We might use others, but typically it might be the NLT. I learned that in the King James Version. So when I wrote it, and we put it in here in the NLT, it just seemed weird. It, my mom and I even had that talk about it, like, hey, that doesn't feel right. And it told me, I'm not speaking for my mom here, it told me, that I had internalized the prayer and could recite the prayer and not understand the content. Jesus said, pray like this. So for me to then unpack, what does that mean to say, God, hallowed be thy name, to praise him, to think of him, to, to maybe even offer up a word or two that I've tried in a human way to say, here's what I think of you, you're, you're whole, you're, you're, you're perfect, Whatever. And then to move down through that prayer that he said to pray like and realize these prayers, if I read you a couple of the long ones, you would be like, what the? I got lost. First of all, it's in a little bit of old English. And so the words that I would say is, when you're praying, think personal, not programmed. We so often think, Jesus even slams it. He's like, look, don't, don't pray out loud with all these big words. He says, just go into your room by yourself and tell God what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Here's one way that I, I thought of this this week. I've officiated a boatload of weddings, but the one that I remember the most is my own. Hey, imagine that, even though it's a few years ago. And I thought, could you imagine that day one or two of my marriage, or now, 50, well, I'm 53, I was going to say 50-something years later, we haven't been married that long, 30-something years later. Could you imagine that every time if Julie came to me and said, hey, let's talk, let's communicate, which is what I think God wants us to do with him, but if Julie came to me, and every time I started about saying, I, Sean, take you, Julie, to be my lawfully wedded wife, um, to have and to hold from this day forward, uh, in sickness and in health. You see what I'm saying? That's what I think we do when we do these program prayers with God. He's like, stop, 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 stop. Knock it off. I know what you, I know what you vowed on your wedding day. Talk. Listen. Engage. I love the word commune because it has this intensity and this intimacy about it more than just connect or talk does. Commune. So in your relationships, your human relationships, and, and your relationship with God, it's like, do you commune? Are you honest? He can handle everything, it says. He already knows everything about us. And I just wonder, so often when I get into my mode, even of my prayer life, like, do I just say this and this and this, when he's just like, look, you're, you're kind of trying to 
come from your head more than your heart. What are you wrestling with right now? What, 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 what are you in pain for right now? Who's on your heart and mind? Who have I put on your heart? What do you want to pray for them? You need that intimacy and interaction. Something that's worked for me, and I won't say that it's worked every time, not, not even close, maybe 20% of the time, is I use an acronym called ACTS, A-C-T-S. You can go out to our, our, our app and get all that information. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, which just simply says, because again, most of my prayers were thank you, thank you, thank you, give me, give me, give me. And I, so I was like, something just didn't feel right about that. Like I was just going through this rote thing. So this adoration, this ACTS thing helps me to praise God and tell Him what I do think of Him and what I'm wonderfully loved by Him and I am excited about that and I can confess my sins to Him, not because He doesn't know about them, so that I can voice them out there and He knows that I know that that's separating me from Him and so on and so forth. So maybe that can help you. J- uh, Justin talked about, there's, if you go out to our app, there's a hand prayer and all it really means is there's a word for each finger. You'll see that it's very similar to Acts, and it just adds a different one. But the word supplication in the Acts one, and one of the fingers on the finger thing, is to pray for others. Whether it's supplication or intercessory prayers, another big word, it's just praying for other people, praying for their needs as well as your own. Some other things that uh, I thought about were some simple things, and Dan Diebel. Uh, who spoke here a couple weeks ago, he gave me some of these ideas. You, know, you can just say a short prayer over somebody. You can just simply say their name, Julie. God, Julie's on my heart. Or I speak Jesus over Julie. Or God, give Eric peace today. Let Susan know that you are thinking of her right now. God, show yourself to Denise. You can can begin to develop those things that start to help you express what's in your heart when oftentimes we feel a little bit like Bruce there. We're all like, "Uh, God, I pray for world peace. And let me finish this way. I think it's important, even though last week we'd tell you, pray as you go, pray as you move through your day. I have a good friend, Tony Flora, who talks about his prayer life in our men's group. And it's just kind of like this thing throughout the day. He'll just move into prayer. It's not necessarily verbalized. It's in his head. He's talking and interacting with God. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't always do that. And so I'm trying more and more as God brings someone to my mind, especially or a thought or something else, I'll, I'll pause and pray. And so here's the thought that I had. you got to plan your prayers to some extent. Most of us don't wake up on July 4th or July 8th or July 12th, whatever day you may go on vacation. We don't wake up and go, you know what? I'm going to go to Maui. I'm going to go to Maui today, right? We plan for it. We, first of all, we may need to get off work. We may need to schedule a, a flight. We may need to pack. We, we don't have an itinerary. Now, I'm not saying that some of you don't go on some, hey, let's just go on vacation. But my guess is you still ask for work off, although maybe you didn't. You know what? But I think about planning my prayer life. And here's the way I worded it this week for me. I need to pause to plan so that I plan to pause. One of my uh, rhythmation guide things for last quarter was I, I didn't feel like my prayer life was where I wanted it. Not so much with God. I felt like I had that, but praying for others. So it's kind of unique that I get today's message. One of my goals, 
I only had three for that quarter, was to pray for my family by name, each person, my immediate family, and pray for the other staff members here at Shoal Creek by name. And do you know that <laughs> the first three weeks into that quarter, I didn't do it. And yet, every week I would pull forward that goal that said I was going to do it, and I hadn't done it. So I got out my phone, sorry, it's sitting down there, and I finally put it in at 2 p.m. on Monday. I will do that. And I started doing that. Not, not every Monday, some Mondays, I was 2 o'clock, I was in the middle of something. So I just delayed it to the next day, and I would do it Tuesday. So I had to pause to plan so that I could plan to pause. You know, we have these phones, most of us, in our hands or in our pocket or in our purse right now. We are carrying around, at least as, as humankind knows today, the most amazing calendaring system we could ever come up with. You don't have to carry something like this around, whether you like to or not. It's in your hands. And statistics show that we check our phones on average 150 times a day. So I put stuff in my calendar. I put stuff in there with reminders. And I learned something from Dan today that most young people probably know. I did not know that you could pin, P-I-N, a contact to the top of your messaging. And you can. And he said he used that. He learned that from his daughters, that you could pin someone. So if you have their photo, it even, it's even better, but it's still their name, to the top. So every time you check your text messages, that person's there. And so if that person is someone you want to pray for this week, or maybe you could put that person that you want to pray for this week, you could pin them. I was like, yeah, shows you how old I am, I guess. You could do as a prayer journal. You could get a rhythmation guide, because every day in the rhythmation guide, and again, I did this more for me than anyone else, is I say spend some time in solitude, but down here it's like spend some time listening to God and then tell him what's in your heart. And some days I write it out. You can see that, hopefully. Can't read it, thank goodness. And other days, I just write maybe a word or two or a person's name. So somehow to be consistent. I think that here's a way to ponder this. A consistent connection of intimacy with God that drives, that is the lifeline of our journey. That is the relationship. And that connection to him gives us the power to do exactly what he does, to love others by advocating for them, to love others by praying for them, to love others when we might want to be more self-absorbed or self-guided or self-directed. We, we soften our hearts and we start to love like him. And we get the power to do that through his spirit because we don't have it by ourselves. So the band's about to come up here after I pray. They're going to play this song. And here's what I would love for you all to think about. Uh, we're going to have, a, we're going to have a, a time of quietness before I pray, and then I'll pray, then they're going to come up here. But I would love for you to bring to mind someone you feel maybe God is calling you to mind or just comes to your mind. Maybe it's not God. You just got them on your heart and your head. And I'd love for you, if you will pray for them this week, not that you want to, but if you will, I'd love for you to come forward over here on these two sides, two here and two here, light a candle and stick it in the, the sand or the ice melt because that's all we found this morning. It's not, it's not flammable, by the way. 
So during that song, it's about a four-minute song, you'll have time to do that. But I'd like to start right now with just a time of just solitude. It won't be a long time for you to, to bring that person to your mind who you might be wanting to pray for this week and will. All right? Let's just have a quiet. God, I pray that you have brought to our minds and to our hearts someone, or maybe it's more than one person, to pray for. I honestly don't know that I can pray for everybody like was commanded in Scripture right now, but, but there are two people that you brought to my mind that I will be in prayer for this week. So I pray that we could all learn something, some way to make that executable, just to, to, to connect to you so that we can love them with your with your power and that we can speak Jesus over those people whatever they might be facing whether it's something extremely challenging or it's something minor or it's a relationship with you that we're praying for them to have God we thank you for Jesus we thank you that he is intervening right now for us next to you that blows my mind I can't comprehend it, and I'm kind of glad I can't comprehend it. But I thank you for it, and I thank you for everyone in this room and those watching online that you're doing the exact same thing for them and really for all humanity to come to know who you are. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.